And yes, my bloody podcast is back, Brian Kluger. We have a special episode today coming to you. It is all about the new horror film coming out on Shudder, The Beach House. Can't wait to talk to you all about it. It's so good. Oh my gourd. Yes. And we have three amazing talents from the film today. In one corner, Wayne in as the producer extraordinaire intercontinental champion. Oh my goodness, Andrew Corkin, how are you? I'm well, Brian. Thank you. I'm glad you didn't guess my weight. That would have been a little de- bit depressing. I've been baking a lot in the quarantine, so it's it's a little bit above my punching class usually. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I hear you. No, no, no weights here today. I'd be too scared for that. And then in the other corner, in, in the other corner, Wayne in as the amazing, legendary actor, Noah LaGrosse. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, it's close. It's, it's LaGrosse. LaGrosse, uh, yeah. It's, I guess it's French, so you could say with an accent if you wanted to be like... Um, pompous but LaGrosse <laughs> is fine I don't really care <laughs> wonderful main actor in this film how you doing good man how are you happy to be uh, here. yeah happy to be here I'm doing excellent here in hot Dallas Texas uh it's wonderful and then of course we have the fantastic filmmaker of the land Jeffrey A. Brown oh my goodness how is it going up in New York Good, good to good to be here, Brian. Thank you. Good, good, glad to have you all here. We're going to talk about the beach house, but first, for each of you, we'll start uh, with Jeff. Where did it all begin for you in film? Was it something your parents showed you growing up? Was it going to the movie theater for the first time? Where did it all begin? Yeah, I, I blame my parents. Uh, you know, in, in addition to just being into film, but also not completely discouraging uh, me pursuing it. There were some shaky moments in the early days, but uh, yeah, it, it started with them. My, my father is a, a film fan, and then my mother kind of became she's as well. I mean, it was just something kind of uh, inherent in our family that I, I thought all families were kind of into movies like we were. Um, and then I just kind of followed it. Uh, you know, into college, went to film school, and and. Uh, just stuck with it. I, I, I worked on, uh, you know, I worked on a lot of movies in kind of, you know, before making this. And uh, it's it's just been something that, that's been with me for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know anything different. It's, it's always there. It's, it's always been there. Do you remember that first one movie that was like, blew your mind? I mean, you know, I come, I came of age in the, in the Star Wars Raiders of the Lost Ark era. Those were, those were like things that one of the earliest memories I ever had was going to see Star Wars in maybe 1979 or 1980 when it was reissued uh, before VHS. Um, and I think I remember it because my, my father took me and my brother and I must have been two or three. Like I was really young and he locked the keys in the car. So I remember him leaving the two of us in the theater while he went out. And my brother's only three years older. So he basically was, I don't know, he wasn't super responsible. But, um, I, you know, yeah, I... I um, it was just always something that was there. And I think it was more a, a, a quest of discovering that it was kind of a, a, a particular passion as opposed to something that everybody was into. And I just, it, it just came easy to me. Film, I remembered movies. I, I, I read books about them. I just, I just knew that, uh, that world. And I, you know, when the, the I, yeah, I, I mean, I, it just comes from there and just evolved over time. It just became much more, obscure to be to be frank and and weirder and i just especially now that you can see a lot of movies there are a lot of movies that i'd read about that i wasn't able to see and then in the you know the subsequent years i just kind of started watching tons and tons of movies and just you know it's that's it's always been there oh excellent excellent noah what about you where did it all begin for you um god uh yeah, my both my parents uh, are artists, so I, I kind of grew up around it. Um, but to be completely honest, that I think as a lot of young kids, or maybe not every young kid, but for me, I was like, oh, my parents work in the arts. No, thank you. Um, was sort of my initial uh, opinion about all of this stuff. Um, but I grew up just really liking movies, storytelling. Um, I don't know if there was like a specific moment where I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this. But I think it was just a gradual realization that I, I, there was nothing really else I wanted to do. I mean, I, I went to film school, um, 
for writing actually. Um, and it was sort of just something I always, I don't know. I just love movies. I don't really, I wish there was a more poetic way of putting it, but I was like obsessed with movies growing up, um, watched a ton of them. And eventually I was just like, I don't really want to do anything else. So I might as well try to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. Did you like, did you start in theater? Did you used to start with? I start, I mean, I, so I was not a theater kid. I, I played sports um, and then just, I went to boarding school and then I, I, mean, I grew up in Wyoming and then I went to boarding school and it was just played sports and just went in my free time would just watch movies. Um, mm. And again, it, my initial, like what I wanted to do was very, was writing or, or directing, mainly writing just because I, the, there was just something, I don't know, it's private, you don't have to deal with people. I was just more into that at, when I was younger. Um, and I think, I guess as I got older, I began to notice that like my maybe affinity for movies was not the normal, like, oh, what do you want to watch tonight kind of thing? which I think is how, which is a lot of people's relationships. It's like a form of entertainment. It's like, let's just throw this on. And I was, it got to, I was just watching so many movies that it was just like, it couldn't possibly, it was like, it just couldn't be that. Um, and then I think I just, I remember seeing Kids, that Larry Clark movie when I was pretty young and sort of, I don't know. I just started relating to them differently, I think. And just was like, it became less of like a, something to kill the time or, you know, take you away to some other place and more of like, I don't really know how to describe it. Just a different sort of experience. I mean, that kind of went from there. It seems like, go ahead. Kids was important to me too, actually. I did, I never thought about this until right now until you said that. I saw it in the theater when it came out and I, I wrote reviews for my high school newspaper. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, I, I wrote a review of it and I was like, this is the most realistic portrayal of teenagers I've ever yeah. seen because, the, you know, they curse. And it, it was definitely like, if they can make a movie out of this, I should try to make a movie. And I was like 16 and I was like, I, I think I want to try this because, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem easy, but th that one was, yeah, one was so accessible. I, I've still, I don't think I've ever seen, and that's a heavy movie and that's, you know, not my life, but they're just the, the like atmosphere and like the way that movie feels is still, I think the most accurate representation of what it's like to be a kid. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I still don't think we've gotten, had anything that's as good as that, as far as just like how people talk, like the way you figure out what it means to be a person, you know, I don't know. That was a big movie for me for sure. No, I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, watching that for the first time is like, are these actors or just real kids? No, totally. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like this, it's like, what it's like, and I remember sitting in a, I watched, I was sitting, I watched on my computer when I was younger. I remember just sitting there. You, know, you see certain movies and you just like, don't even get up for a while. I feel like that's an experience with certain movies where you're just like, oh my God. Like, I don't know, like when you're young and you have that experience too. I remember watching my mom, was like, you should watch this if you're in the movies. I was young, I was probably like, I don't know, 11 or something. I mean, she showed me do the right thing. And it was a similar experience where I was like, it's a heavy movie as well, but I, there, you just like sit there afterward and you can't really stand up and you're kind of like, I don't know why this is affecting me as much as it is, but it's just, there's something about the story and the way it looked and the way movies make you feel that for me at least is a very singular experience. I don't know. Oh, that's great. It's different. No, I, I like that. So, Andrew, kids, <laughs> where did it all begin for you? I mean, it was that definitely was not my like. I, I was very, <laughs> like I was very sheltered growing up, but I remember watching it before I went to NYU, and I was like, "Holy shit, they're gonna eat me alive in New York!" Like, this is what this is what kids and teenagers are like in New York. I'm fucked. But no, it's like that movie. That movie is just like it's. It's so incredible. I was just like looking at just even stills from it the other day of like young Rosario Dawson and Chloe. And I'm like, they just like, they blend into it. I mean, it's just like, this is, this is, uh, it, that's what made me so like scared to go to New York originally. I was like, man, this is like, this is the real world. And I guess I haven't really lived in the real world yet in my life. 
but uh, I, I guess I survived or I adapted <laughs> New York after that. I didn't You're really have the now. kids experience, but it was, uh, it was great to get outside of, you know, that comfort zone. I grew up in like, uh, I grew up right in Boston and went to like all boys school. So like my origin story is I got tricked into this film world and that I went to all boys school. I had a great English teacher that said, you should do the plays. And I was like, I'm not gonna do the plays. And she said, you get to meet girls if you do the plays. And I said, yes. Uh, so I started doing that and I realized like, I really like, you know, I like doing that. And I started watching more and more sort of like non, non-studio, non-commercial fair cinema. And there was a great cinema that used to be in the Copley Mall in Boston, which now in retrospect is a perfect representation microcosm of American capitalism. It was a indie movie theater, then it became a Barney's department store, and now it is no longer a Barney's department store because there's no more malls. Um, but it was like at that theater that I remember seeing Memento for the first time and Igby Goes Down, and like those were like, re- like I was just seeing films that were not done in the studio system, and they were stories that I was excited about and excited about potentially being able to tell. And it was like around that time, probably midway through high school, that I decided like, this is, this is sort of cool and people make careers of it and I know it's really tough, but I started getting that bug to really start to pursue it and I did more. I got more and more into both acting in the plays as well as putting plays together and when it came time to apply to schools, my parents were stupid enough, I guess, to let me apply to one film school and I ended up getting into that film school and I went to NYU and sort of the rest is history. Oh my goodness. So we all four four of us went to all went to film school. That's amazing. <laughs> and so I guess the big question is for you, uh, did you get any of the women when you signed up for the film and theater? <laughs> I mean, I'm not you sure if you know like like theater kids in high school, especially at an all boys primarily sports-centric high school, are really cool. So no. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great. All right. So I'm glad we talked about that. And then so now we all kind of move, we, we all met uh, on the beach house. And I read, uh, Jeffrey, um, that this script that you wrote for the beach house might have been inspired by a true life story. There's a, there are, there's a lot of actually true life stories that kind of uh, come into it. Um, the two, one was a story my mother told me about a fishing trip that her her father and her two brothers went on to Minnesota, and this is like in the fifties. And they, um, they my my grandfather, they had been drinking beer, and they all went to sleep. And he woke up in the middle of the night to to piss. And when he went outside, he got very sick, and he realized that there was a gas leak in the cabin that they were staying. So he got his sons out, and it, it saved their lives. And he would always say that. Uh, beer saved his life um, because he was drinking and he had to pee. Um, so there was that which plays into one aspect of it. And then kind of another ironic um, aspect of it was I had, uh, I was dating a woman and and we went with another couple to Cape Cod to kind of have like a fun weekend. And uh, it was basically the beginning of the end of my relationship. I, I, it did not go well. Uh, I don't remember exactly why, but it just was like, this is supposed to be romantic and it's not like we're not speaking like i guess this is you know the beginning of the end and i was always kind of the irony of going to these vacation places where it rains every day or getting sick like sometimes when you travel and you spend all this money to go to like a you know a resort and then you get sick and you can't do any of the fun things that you planned on because you're you're ill and so it's kind of that contrast and that irony was something about vacation homes that you know that kind of formulated a lot of the you know beginning kind of true life kernels of the story and then just over time it got a little bit more and more you know out there <laughs> but yeah those are two kind of uh, big touchstones to to the initial thrust of the movie okay so you wrote it and said how did this uh this these three amigos all meet up and did y'all instantly love each other <laughs> you three ah oh. <laughs> uh, i mean I, I, there's another producer, Sophia Lin, who was involved with the movie from a very early point, and she was with it. And then I think, Andrew, I think we met at IFP. Was that when like, we initially Yeah, met? wait, I'm not even sure if it was for this. But no. so Sophia and I have been friends for a while. Jeff and Sophia have been friends for longer than that. And I think that Jeff and I had met just socially or through one of the, you know, 
IFP speed dating type things a while ago. And I'm not sure if I remembered when Sophia brought me the script again, which, you know, was about a year or so or a year and a half before we ended up going into production on the beach house. But, you know, Sophia knew that I was, you know, that I was doing a bunch in the sort of the genre space. And she said, listen, there's this great script that I've been trying to do for a bit. And it's with one of my best friends. And I think you'll really like it. And she shared it with me. And she obviously knew my taste because I was like, this is really good. And then I saw Sulfuric, which was Jeff Short. And I was like, yeah, this, this guy knows his shit. Um, so we just started talking and you know, it's probably a question coming up in a bit, but you know, another part of what made me immediately say I wanted to get involved and work with Jeff and Sophia was that I saw this location. So just ironically where Jeff went on that, you know, that failed uh, outing as with like his relationship outing years before is one town over for where I've gone every summer for, you know, a lot of my adult life with my family, um, which is in Cape Cod. So once I read that, I was like, I know where these places are. And I've always wanted to find something to shoot there. And it just organically lent itself so nicely. And Jeff, Jeff knew that world and he captured it so well on the page. And I was like, listen, sign me up. I want to, um, you know, I want to help you bring this to life. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think uh, being filmed at Cape Cod, it was beautiful. I wish they would do like a promo for Cape Cod and show this movie. <laughs> it's like, come to Cape Cod. <laughs> the water is fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the water's fine. Uh, uh, Noah, uh, how did you, when did you join the forces? Um, I, not too long before shooting started, what, like, month or so a couple months um i just was sent into an audition or maybe it was an audition tape and then i ended up meeting with jeff in the city and you know one thing led to another and then we all ended up in cape cod um so i have definitely haven't been on wasn't a part of it for as long as these two fine gentlemen here but i don't know i'm very glad i was a part of it for the time i was a part of it i mean I, we just i think jeff and i met and we just started talking about movies and music um and I really liked the script when I read it. It just, it seemed, I, don't, I think certain scripts, like we were saying earlier, certain movies just sort of feel different. This one, you read a lot of script when you're auditioning for stuff. And this one just felt like an interesting, it just felt better and different than a lot of stuff. And I, I felt it was an interesting take on a genre that I feel like doesn't always get super interesting takes you know what I, mean? I feel like a lot of times it's very generic the stuff that's in the horror genre and this was not that um and jeff liked metal and movies and i was like let's do this this is that's enough for me <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure Noah. i think you, i think you were the first one of the four that we cast yeah I, I because i remember you guys were you were looking for liana's the that the actress for that still i think when i because I remember, I was, yeah, I think I was the first, honestly. Um, and I don't think it was that far before we started. I think you might have been like maybe two or three weeks at most. It was not I a long time, yeah. No, because, it, 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 and then Liana, we, I never met her until we were in Cape Cod. That was like the first time I ever met her in person. And yeah, you, yeah, I remember that. It, well, because she's LA based. And so it was, it was kind of tricky yeah. in, in that respect. But yeah, and I remember just meeting Noah. I was really... I got along with Noah, you know, and it was, there were things that were, that I thought he could bring to the role that were not necessarily on the page. And it was just, you know, the character is not, he's not Randall at all. And that's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of funny now that everyone's, you know, the, the consensus is like, Randall's not a great guy. And I am always defensive of him because it's like, you know, he's, he's 20 something. He doesn't, he's not, he's just, you know, he's learning. And then, but it was very much about uh, kind of the rapport that I had with him. And that was like, when we had that lunch meeting, it was it was beyond just looking at him and listening to him and hearing the, the tone of his voice and kind of watching his, his mannerisms. It's just the fact that I could get along with him because I knew that, um, you know, being a first time director, I, I needed to have a cast that was going to be a little patient as I kind of fumbled around in the dark to find, uh, you know, the, the movie and, and kind of find my own footing as, as a director. And I, and I could tell with Noah that he was going to give me uh, you know, a little bit of, of uh, leeway in that respect for better or for worse. But um you know, it, it was just, it was definitely a personality, you know, vibe and, and, and we got along and I, you know, it was, he was, a, you know, a great uh, benefit to the movie. I mean, yeah. just adding, I feel like it's so much about this, about movie making in general, especially like 
things of this size and stuff like that, it's like you have to be able to get along with the people you're working with or it's just not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Like if you don't like, I mean, that's any job really, but I think especially movies where like you're with each other all the time and it's pressures, it's time sensitive. You have to get stuff done um, and it's stressful and it's like an inherently emotional process for everyone. I think that's a huge part of it is just, do personalities mesh, right? Um, and do you trust each other? Because there's a huge amount of trust that goes into any of this stuff from my end and from Jeff. Like he's trusting with the script. He's, you know, he's broadened the world and his vision as a director. And I'm trusting him to not make me look like an asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, you know, you, you think you go in there thinking like, I, you have an idea of, the choices you're going to make for a role or whatever. And, and you have your idea of the character, but there's a huge difference between what happens in your head and what actually happens when you're there. And I think if you all trust each other and you trust the, the vision of where we're going, it's, it'll work. And if you don't, that's when things usually tend to fall off the tracks, I think. And it seemed like it was a very, um, you know, close knit group of people working on this movie that all had a passion for this story. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a multi-million dollar blockbuster film. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, we, we were a lean and mean crew. We shot for three weeks on location in the Cape. Um, it's about, I'd say 20 or so of us all together. So, I mean, yeah, we were everyone, you know, as, as, as Noah was saying, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, if you don't get along, shit doesn't happen. And so luckily we had a really great group of folks that just people really meshed and we were able to be really efficient with our filmmaking, but also like we didn't, no one really hated each other at the end, which it happens. That definitely does happen on certain sets. Um, but no, it was like, you know, and, and a lot of people were staying, you know, in houses together in the Cape. No one was really more than a couple miles away from, or, you know, it was pretty much within a mile's distance. You know, the beautiful, beautiful part about shooting in somewhere like Cape Cod in the off season. So before, you know, before Labor or before Memorial Day starts is that we pretty much had the neighborhood, you know, the whole town to ourselves, um, for better or for worse. So, you know, when, Liana yells Randall at the top of her lungs like no one actually calls the cops. Um, so, you know, likewise, just, you know, we also got to just hang out with each other and really get to know everyone on a personal level. And it made everyone feel invested in the film, which was really exciting. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, and so after I watched the movie, the credits rolled. I like to stay through the credits and I got this vision in my head and I was like, Oh my goodness. I picture HP Lovecraft and Stephen King wanting to go on a vacation to a beach house. And this is what happened in this movie. And like, kind of like that fifties esque sci-fi horror that parallels with a relationship that is going to go down a path the same way the world does so i just thought that was like really wonderful and like did any of this come into your mind jeff when you were writing and making it i, I mean i would say it was you know hp lovecraft and stephen king and shirley jackson was probably riding in the car as well and uh jg <laughs> ballard might have made the house um but yeah yeah i mean they were all they're all in there uh I, you know i read a, i read a lot there there are things like stephen king i read when i was very young um, I, I've read some H.P. Lovecraft. I, 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 there's the Color Out of Space, of course, is a big, a very. You know, I, that's my favorite story of his. I think it's his best story, and it's it's kind of, uh, you know, it's. I think it's a very scary. That's like his most scary story. I think it's a very primal thing. And Shirley Jackson has a great story called The Summer People. That was another kind of influence on the mood of, you know, a. a a town, a, a beach town or a, a coastal vacation town off season. And that was an, an, a mood that I really wanted to, to capture because uh, uh, it's spooky when you come to places that are so lively and full of life and fun. And then when you go there off season, when it, all the fun is gone, there's a ghostliness to it that's inherent in, in the uh, environment. And uh, I, that was a goal of mine to try to capture that because it's one, another one of those things that, you know, I, I, I feel and I've thought about, but I haven't really seen explored in, in movies. And so, uh, and then when we started shooting all these kind of influences and references, they just go right out the window and you kind of just kind of hold on for dear life. And, and, you know, you kind of throw things in the air and, and hopefully some of it sticks. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they were there at some, they were, those writers were there with me at some point, uh, in the process. And it was, uh, and Stephen King is just a massive, if you're in a, you know, American horror, you can't escape him. He's like Spielberg is to film. Stephen King is the horror fiction. He's a, he's a massive, massive influence. Um, and so, so they're, they're, they're there, the, they're there on the vacation. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. Um, and I have to bring up uh, the music of the film. Uh, I, part of my podcast network, we do uh, have composers on. And uh, I believe Rolf Porter uh, did your music. Oh. Rolly Porter? Rolly Porter. Rolly Porter. Yeah. Porter. I just thought the music was excellent in it. Uh, how did you uh, come across him and how did this happen? It was, it was another thing in, in speaking with, with Andrew uh, about it. When I, I really wanted a composer <clears throat> who was a, a musician beyond just being a composer. I, there was something, I couldn't tell you why, but that's something that, that happens I think more and more in, in film. And, but one of the prerequisites is that he needed, the composer we picked had to have done a film before. Uh, and Rolly had done another, I want to say, an, either an Irish or Scottish film called In Fear, which I, I liked. I thought it's a very simple movie, and I thought it was good. And he was game. Rolly is actually really into science fiction. If you look at his first album, the song titles are actually the names of planets from Dune. Uh, so he was very into it. And it, we just, we really kind of clicked he is based in Bristol, so the entire process was done via Skype. He would send me things, I would listen to it. We kind of just went back and forth. Um, but it was very much uh, not to, we didn't want to emulate uh, John Carpenter's score, which I, I love John Carpenter, I love his movies. And I, I like his music and I like it when it's used in films, but I, we both decided that, that very early on that it was, it was a little, our film is not like that. It's not a, a reference to, to the 80s Carpenter movies, and we didn't want to go down that route. I think we were kind of in the process when Stranger Things was just coming out, which I think really utilized that to its its best degree. And so we, we wanted something different. And Rolly's music is very dynamic and very loud, and I, I wanted a loud, noisy score. I wanted to wake the audience up. And, uh, and also, Rolly, we agreed that a lot of horror movies are overscored, and so the first half of our film there's very very little music which is you know i think a risk we took a lot of risks with it because the music helps the pace of films and i wanted a very deliberate slow pace and when you take the music out the movie slows down so it was he was just a, it was one of my favorite things was working with him because i'd never really worked with a composer before and so it was it was great to to have that type of collaboration and on top of that noah when we were shooting was into this band called nails who is if you, they have this album and it's another like, it, uh, you will never be one of us. It's this the most intense, one of the most intense albums I've ever heard. And and coincidentally, Rolly was into it as well. So when he was like, "Oh, you're this Nails album," and I was like, "Actually, I have." And uh, but it makes you sweat. You listen to it. It's like 20 minutes, and you're just like sweating by the end. And then you break something, and then then you cry. Um, but uh, it, it was it was a weird kind of coincidence with that. That that that's great to hear. Uh, because I, I, I really liked it. I want a soundtrack on vinyl. Mondo, please do it. <laughs> please. <laughs> please do it. We'll do that. That, that stuff is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. Um, and Noah, you and uh, your co-star, Liana, as well as the other two, you're, you're, you're thrown through the ringer a little bit. A little bit. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about getting the character? Was there any, like, you know, behind-the-scenes shining moments where you're, like, you know, frothing at the mouth, getting into character? Or is it just kind of, like, go? <laughs> um, I mean, gosh. Uh, well, first, I mean, I feel like Liana had it rougher, rougher than I did. Like, she had, like, there's one bit where she's, like, crawling through like ooze towards the end of the film and that was that was that was brutal it was cold in the cape when we were doing it um but i also think i, I honestly in a way i think like i know that was the most fun part of the movie for me in a way i, I feel like i've we talked about this last time we spoke about the movie but um you know you don't always get to like do the i think the fun part of being in a horror movie sometimes is that you get to like scream and like act like you're dying and convulse and get covered in goo like it's fun it's fun it's like it's like you know it's like when you're a kid at least when i was a kid pretending like you know playing pretend or whatever you're usually not like 
you know, acting out like a, a really intense like marriage scene, like talking about like, you know, you know, you're not when you're in the backyard as a kid, you're not reenacting marriage story. You're doing like Lord of the Rings or something like that. And I feel like with this, you know, I I I guess I looked up and like researched what happens, you know, what happened to the body, the symptoms, the experiences of people that have had various uncomfortable diseases. Um, so I put get got that into my head and then you just sort of go for it and you you everyone's felt deeply uncomfortable at one point or another from like food poisoning or a really bad cold or whatever it is or you know I had scarlet fever when I was really little so I have all these I've been very sick before um and you just sort of try and get into that headspace and then and then you just go with it and that's the fun of it you know Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, I'm sorry you had scarlet fever and you were really sick, though. <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, I'm fine now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, um, you, your film resume is quite impressive with Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, and We Are What We Are, two films that I endear, I, I dearly love. I've talked to the people in those films. Uh, I, I love it. And then you have The Beach House, another perfect movie and i was like what is the method to your madness in picking these movies you produce like what take me down that avenue it's like oh like these fucking cool indie flicks i love it i mean i think it's just that i think it's madness um i mean it i think i'd be hard pressed to really connect the dots with what can what really unites the three of those films or just many films in my resume but i guess you know the the commonality in the three of them is that i was working with directors that i just really believed in that just were very clear in their vision for the stories because you know you can read a great script or you can read a great treatment and if the person if the director doesn't have a clear inroad of how do they how they actually bring that to the screen you know, it's, it's just not worth it. And so, you know, I, I started my career working with Sean's company with Borderline Films. And, you know, I, I learned pretty much most of what I know from Sean and I consider him like a mentor and one of my really good friends. And so I just, I saw him sort of work on his craft from the ground up first as a producer on their early films. And then with Martha, I saw him put it all together. Then we are what we are. Jim is just a master and being able to give him a little bit more runway from Mulberry Street, Stakeland, just knowing what he was capable of. I was just really excited that we found this project because I'd seen the original and was like, this guy can bring something even more special to the table with this. And then likewise with Jeff, you know, he just, you know, he had this short that I saw a lot of promise in and then coupled with a great script. You know, I just, with all three of those people that they, again, they saw, they had this vision, but they never along the way stopped to say like, no one else can bring something to the table. That's the sign of really like a great director and the type of directors that I want to just continue to work with throughout my career are people that know what they're doing, have a clear vision, but want are, are welcome to basically bring advice and, uh, you know, input from anywhere as long as, uh, you know, be open to where advice can come from. So, yeah, I mean, they're all very different. Like I never want to, I never want to be pigeonholed into one type of genre, like one type of subsect of the genre or even just genre overall and that's my dog standing up on the computer and thus moving my computer um but uh but yeah i mean i you know i love this space and you know i guess what sort of also unites them all is that they're a sort of a brand of horror that's you know elevated i think that the, all three of them very clearly have different messages at the heart of their stories so that's uh, i guess that's what i really want to continue to build my career with is genre that has a message and with people that I like personally and I believe in and that can uh, execute their vision. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and now we have to talk about Paul Rice and uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, Fanjay Chen, the visual and special effects uh, people for the film. Am I pronouncing Mr. Chen's uh, yeah, I think he was one of the more. I think he had something to do with the uh, the digital component. So uh -huh. I mean, Paul, we can we can talk about Paul. What um, I guess my question to you would be, what aspect? You want to talk about like the practical kind of goop effects and right, like so I, a little bit of both because I think they actually like blended in really yeah. well together. No, uh, do, you re do you remember what the what substance was used for slime on your face? Do you remember what it was? Wasn't it, um, <laughs> yeah, 
isn't it Lubriderm or no? It wasn't it was what is it? It's some Astro, sort of lube. Astroglide. Astroglide. Yeah. <laughs> Astroglide. It was, it was something. I was like, I knew it was something, something like that. Yeah, it was. I was covered in it for we, we, a while. We the, the 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 so there's kind of three components to the practical effects. You have our our, our makeup artist was named Jennifer Suarez, and she kind of dealt with the the kind of day to day makeup and dealt with kind of contacts and blood. And she also was the one who discovered after a couple of days, she's like, you know what really works for slime is lube because it doesn't dry up. And so I think actually, as we got into it, I would just take it on my hand and be like, no, are you ready? And he's like, yeah. And I just smeared it all over his face. I think I got a little thrill out of it. And then, so there's Jen who's dealing with the actors. Paul Rice is our production designer. And he kind of, he fabricated a lot of the worms and the jellyfish and a lot of the slime effects coming out of the sink was a, was actually much more of a to-do than you would think. And then our kind of our makeup effect artists were uh, Brian Spears and Pete Gurner, who are very in the New York area. They're, they're one of the like big, they do a lot of the movies uh, from all of Larry Fessenden's movies to Marvel shows. They're, they're really kind of in this area. And so uh, Paul and Jen were really involved throughout the entire shoot. And then we brought in like special teams like, uh, Pete came in kind of towards the end, but then some of the, the, the foot scene and some of the, the basement, it's like all hands were on deck. So it's like four or five people are kind of like getting under there and, you know, one's throwing slime, one's operating like a, you know, a, a spurter and, and everyone got a little messy. Uh, but it was, it was really kind of when you're doing a small movie like this, you have to wear a lot of hats. So I, I feel that there was a, you know, there's a real teamwork component involved in that. And then when we were getting into those much more involved effects scenes. It, it was just everyone was kind of coming in. I think, you know, uh, between the actors, you know, they, they couldn't really do much because they're, they're reacting to it, but we, you know, we enjoyed getting them messy. I still don't know how you did the, uh, the vomit scene. No, I, I, I watch it and it's kind of like, that's the magic of movies. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and it, it kind of, <clears throat> that, that's how it worked. Uh, I, you know, I would try to give ideas and, and, a lot of the movie wasn't storyboarded. We had shot lists, but when we got into the effects, we would really, we would have storyboards or, or I would draw some images as a start. We had a storyboard artist for some of it. Um, but, you know, and we didn't really match the storyboards. We used them as kind of a guidepost. But uh, yeah, it, it, got, it got complicated and it got messy. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I, you know, it reminded me a little bit of like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell working on an Evil Dead shoot. You know, just everybody getting in it and getting dirty. Oh yeah, I like that. And then, of course, the great uh, surgery scene <laughs> uh, on a limb, which was just—I imagine—I don't know how filming that scene and just making it work perfectly, watching it because that scene just kind of—you know—I'm not usually easily squeamish, but I—I I was like, oh man, this is like hurting me right now. I, I mean. <clears throat> One of, the, one of the biggest things about that is Liana's performance. Uh, she sells it very well. And I think a lot of the squeamishness comes from her more so than the, than the gore per se. Uh, she just really, really killed that scene. And it was, I mean, I think, you know, I won't talk forever, but like, I think it was one of the strongest scenes in the script. And it's one of the closest to, from the script to what you see in the movie. I think it was a very strong set piece and it just really shot the same way. It was one of the one of the one of the longest days I think we shot. We had a, we did a lot a lot of coverage of of that of of her coming into the to the beach house and and the whole surgery and everything like that. But when we were shooting it, there was definitely uh, an, an electricity, and you could see it on people's faces. Uh, one of our other producers, his name was Tyler Davidson, and he was pretty chill. But I but I just remember when we were doing that, he got. He was very happy. He was like, "That's this is this is looking really good." I mean, I just remember him being happy. And Andrew was, Andrew was always enthusiastic for the gore. He would always be like, "You know, there should be a little bit more uh, blood in that." <laughs> and so, you know, it's like all the producers kind of had their different kind of components to it. But that that in particular was a really great day, I think, for everybody. I think Noah might have visited, even though I don't think he was on that day. But I think he came by and was kind of like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but uh, yeah. It was, uh, well, I remember I came by and then I, I remember hearing it, like I heard her yelling and I was like, and then I remember, <laughs> yeah, it, I, and then I, I left for a second and I came back right when you guys were finishing up and I remember seeing it and it's pretty gross. I mean, this is someone coming from someone who grew up like in the early days 
I'm born in the early nineties. So, you know, early internet where there were no rules and you're like 14 and you, I've seen some really <laughs> heinous stuff on the internet and that was still, still got me. So I think that's a testament to, to the way it was shot, to Liana, the, the effects, the, the prosthetic, all of that stuff. Wonderful. No, it, it looked great. Um, also, uh, for Jeff, um, so you're, you've worked on stuff like the, the OA, Spider-Man 3, Super Troopers, Wolf of Wall Street, working on all of these films in some capacity. What do you take with you into something like The Beach House? I, I mean, I can, I can talk for hours about this. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to. Production, I think, is kind of a misnomer in terms of how it's titled. It should really be execution. Uh, I think that on film sets, you know, a lot of people don't make decisions. They execute others. And definitely in a locations production, you, you are executing other people's decisions. And so for me, it was more of an efficiency. I think that having that background, especially in the production aspect of it, I, I, I kind of wanted to make decisions quickly so that we weren't hemming and hawing over what to do because I knew that we, you know, we didn't have a lot of time. And so I, especially with picking the house that Andrew's father presented to us and I was like trying, I was like, I don't want to seem too easy. And this is like one of the first houses we saw, but I was like, this one could totally work. And, uh, but I think that that was the lesson, kind of the through line to everything I've done in my career, which is, I don't even, I have lost track of how many productions I've worked on. Um, you know, it's, I think it's around a hundred, but I have no idea. But the, the efficiency and the decision, you know, making a decision, not knowing exactly, you know, even if it's the wrong decision, but sometimes making a decision is more important than, than you know, you know, worrying about whether or not it's the right or wrong one. And you make a decision and move forward. And then uh, sometimes great things come out of accidents and mistakes. So, I, you know, I was, that, that was, I think that was a big part of, of what I carried through to this. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, question for each of you. Same question for each of you. What is your most thrilling film experience, both as a talent and as a fan? Uh, let me think about that one. You guys could start. <laughs> <laughs> so something like, is, was it uh, like, you know, was it like as a talent, you were like working with somebody or as a fan, like when you first saw the premiere of a movie or something like that, most thrilling. And, and I guess for Noah, it could be most thrilling music experience as a talent and as a fan. Um, gosh, I'll, I'll try and go first. Um, most thrilling. I, as I, far I, as, I, oh, go ahead. Do you know yours for sure? I, I, I have the film going, I have a couple. I, I saw the premiere of Boogie Nights at the New York Film Festival in like 1996. And I'd wanted to see it, but it was also before the internet. And that movie just, it, it was the most, I was just knocked out of the theater. And like he was, Paul Thomas Anderson was there. It was just like, oh man, I really felt like I was in on some sort of, uh, uh, it, was, it was just, a, I love that. I still love that movie. I watched it recently. I think it, I think it holds up. It's, it's, you know, it's a unique film for him, but that was uh, definitely, definitely, uh, for the film going, that's one of them. I have a couple other ones, but that one was it. And then making the movie, uh, you know, someone asked me once about like, was it fun? And I, I don't, I don't necessarily think filmmaking is fun. It's a rut. It's like, is jumping out of a plane fun? Like, I guess it's like, it's more than fun. You know, when something goes right, it's like, when Noah or Liana, when they bring something or when there's a contribution from a crew member that elevates it, when our DP, Owen, there's a shot where the camera falls over and he thought of that on the moment. And it was like, that punctuates the scene. That's the end of the scene. And just like when that, when things go right, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's, I don't know what the next thing it with, what's more than fun, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are my two, those are my two contributions. You guys go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Most thrilling viewing experience. I honestly, I'm gonna have to think for a while. I mean, there's just so many. I feel like some of like my most thrilling movie experiences haven't even been. I mean, I love going to the theater, and I hope it lasts forever. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like some of my most impactful moments, like the kids' moment, right? I was alone in my parents' living room on my computer. Like there was nothing like crazy about that, but I found that movie to be incredibly impactful um i mean I, I remember going to see star wars when i was really little they were like a reissue thing and i went with one of my other friends and that was a moment such a huge movie especially when you're young 
I think that movie, it's, it's almost overwhelming. You're like, and so that I'll never forget. And that was like four when I saw that. And that was, that's one of my, probably my earliest movie going experiences. Um, I don't know, I wish I had a better answer for that. There's no like one, I don't, I mean, I've seen so many movies where I walk out and I'm like, oh my God, that was mind blowing, but I can't really say one over the other. I don't know, I could, my first kiss was in a movie theater. So like, I feel like that's probably, if I'm honest, like my most impactful, right? My most- Was it uh, during the movie? Yeah, during the movie. Which so movie? What movie was it? What movie was it? Um, Aeon Flux, I think it's what it's called. It was like that, not, you know, no offense to that movie, but I'm not, say, not saying it's the greatest movie of all time, but I think that's, that was my first kiss. Um, <laughs> so can't complain. Um, and then as far as most thrilling experiences working on something, um, I did a movie with Nicolas Cage, which was amazing. He, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and just getting to hang out with him and we were in Canada and it was, we were the only two people that were on for the run of the project. We were there the whole time together and just getting to talk. He's so interesting and he's so like open and he, he was just like, talk to me about anything. And he's a huge movie fan, which makes, so it's like, it's just fun. Like talking about the movies he liked and we're both big Elvis fans and talking about Elvis and like all the insane experiences he's had and like his <laughs> process, which I think is so interesting because I am someone, I'm it's not someone, I'm a fairly reserved person and he is not, and he just does not care and he just goes for it, which I think as an artist is really, you know, something to celebrate. Even even if I don't agree with all the choices he makes, he commits 1000% to the choices he does make. And I think that is something, regardless of what you think of them, that is something that is hard to do. I mean, it's my dad always said growing up, like the hardest thing to be is like to be an individual and he is an individual. It's not like an act, it's not a shtick. He's not like trying to be cool or interesting, which I feel like a lot of people do where it's like this careful, it's like I'm weird, but it's like a carefully curated weird. He's just who he is a hundred percent through and through. And working with that was just a really cool, you know, I'll never forget that. And then I guess the other one would be, I played a show with some of my friends at the Troubadour a little while ago. Um, and they're my bunch of my best friends in the world. And as someone who grew up loving like 70s music, you know, like Little Feet, Fleetwood Mac, stuff like that. Playing the show there where it's like, it's still the same pretty much. You know what I mean? It's still like, I love, I mean, it's kind of, it's still like, it's amazing, but it's also kind of junky still. Like it's nothing has changed really. And just being there with those people, I would say that's like the other moment where you're like, oh my, you know, Again, but it was so defined by like the people I'm doing it with. Like it's all my best friends. And I think, I guess the cool thing about music is that it's such a, if you do get to do it with your friends, it's like this super, you're just, it's just, it's so like immediate and it's happening then and you're doing it. It's just like a sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, Nick and then with my best friends. So those are the two. Right on. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that Noah. Yeah, just I mean I've been able I've been fortunate enough I've produced the film two films by my two best friends. So Brian Reesberg did big significant things which I produced and Andrew Renzi did a film called The Benefactor which I produced and like those are my two best friends in the world and I got to make a movie with them which I don't think there's anything cooler than being able to go in the trenches with someone that like you love as a friend as like a brother and get to do right by them both like work and personally and everything so that was awesome and then yeah it's just i mean this is such a crazy world we're in that like you get to meet these people that they seem so unattainable or so far outside of the realm of normalcy and then you see them on a set and like you have a beer with them and you realize that this is just like just shoot the shit so i mean some of my favorite memories are just like literally just that like shooting the shit with john hawks when he first got to martha and I remember he stayed in my apartment in New York the night before. And he like, first time I met him in person because we had talked to an email on the phone. When he got to set, he was like, don't worry, I didn't snoop. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think he would snoop in my apartment, but I appreciate that, John. But then he referenced a book that was on my bookshelf, which actually was a copy of uh, 
uh, sex for dummies, which I have. Um, and then I asked him, I said, did you look inside the book? And he goes, yes. Which of course, then he was like, oh, so you were really snooping. The reason I have the book is because I had done a project years before with Dr. Ruth Vestheimer and it was autographed. It said to Andrew, best of luck. I, I'm assuming best of luck in sex, Dr. Ruth. So it's like one of my prized positions, but like, you know, I had that with John that we were just, you know, connecting over the fact that he was staying in my apartment, looking through my shit. But um, no, I, I don't know. This is, it's, I love this world. It can be as something as like amazing as that is hanging out with these incredible actors and filmmakers and artists, or just like that simple pleasure and joy of like, I, you know, totally a, you know, normal day in the life of going to see at the Village Cinema East, or no, was that the, um, at the forum in New York of seeing um, Holy Motors and not knowing anything about it, just one random day and being like, holy shit, like, what is this? And that's just the power of movie making and cinemas to go in completely unaware and be blown away. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to make the leap so eloquent, eloquently of Holy Motors to us, but like, I do hope that people learn or research as little as possible before they see Beach House so that hopefully some people can have that like, holy shit moment of what did I just see? And I think y'all perfectly captured that. I really like that. And I, and I love that, you know, working with friends and colleagues, that is like one of the best feelings. I totally agree with that. Okay, so my last question for you three, it's another fun one, make you think. Uh, so, and I ask everyone this, uh, what certain scenes from film, what certain scenes in motion pictures always inspire you that you always think about you wake up you're like oh that scene is so great whether it be you know the asshole joke in space balls or spud trying to get the job interview and fucking it up and train spotting what are some great scenes that always stick with you i mean i was just thinking about boogie nights and at the end of boogie nights when they go to alfred molina's um his house the firecrackers and, uh, yeah the fire which is from putney swope which i just saw did you I mean, which is a weird movie but that's actually totally lifted from putney swope but it's just a mixture of alfred molina is an amazing actor marky mark has never been better the look of vacancy on his face where he comes to the realization of what his life has become is just it gets me every time thomas jane is amazing in that in that scene he's great in the movie but in that scene he kills it um I just, I'm getting chills thinking about that scene. I, the use of music, which I think is a very Scorsese kind of introduced using, you know, pop music and rock music in, in movies. And Paul Thomas Anderson and Boogie Nights just hit it so far out of the park in that scene. I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind right off. Cause I, I mean, I was just thinking about it, but um, I, I've got a couple more and, and but I'll let, I'll let someone else take over. No, I, I, I like that answer because, you know, doing, this for a number of years. I can't tell you how many huge filmmakers and actors have named that scene. And it's quite amazing to hear hear that. It, it just works. It, and, and it's like, he thought, I know he thought about that for years. He was thinking about how I'm going to just, I'm gonna light the audience up with what is about to transpire. And it totally works. Every choice that he made as a director, even the, the like, Today I was thinking about it while I was doing the dishes or something like Thomas Jane stumbles up the stairs as he's coming to it. I love it when people fall in movies. And that is just like, it just, just another like layer on the onion of that scene, which I think is, is just really, really so great. Yeah. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take it. I mean, <sighs> God, I mean, I feel like there's there's certain there they'd stick out for different reasons. I, I mean, I'd probably say at the end of the day, Badlands, the Malik is my favorite movie ever. Um, and like basically, like I don't know the, the that whole thing. Pick a scene, any scene, like just I like it's just amazing when they're out in the woods, like dancing around. I, I mean, I've watched that movie like a million times, and every single time I see it, I'm like, how did this? How did he do this? He just was like, oh, I'll make a movie, I guess. And then they like, did Badlands. I mean, everything that Sissy Spacek does in that is pretty perfect. Um, what other, the, the scene in, in uh, Mean Streets when he's entering the bar and uh, what, I think, is it Street Fighting Man that's playing? There's a Stones, a Stone song, I can't remember. But they, it's like a dolly shot behind him and it's all red and he's moving into the bar. 
and it's the music's playing, you're all into it, and then um, just that scene. I'm trying to remember what happens. That I remember watching that for the first time, being like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" And then I guess there's another scene. At, when I was in film school, I feel like this is a, kind of a generic answer, but in Children of Men, that the really, really long take. I mean, I feel like that's sort of that was another when I that was a movie I watched when I was really getting into like trying to figure out like how people were doing things. And I remember watching them like I just like didn't understand it. I was like, I just, I don't know how this is possible. And I would well, like look it up on YouTube and like try and like slow it down and try and figure out like what they were doing to like cheat it basically. And it, it, there are certain scenes like that where you're just like, I just can't even, I don't know how you thought this. Like, I, because on the page, right? Like, I think that's always an interesting moment when you're watching movies. It's like, when you think about what it was written on the page, that there are certain moments that are like so, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic scene, but it, it, it doesn't, it's nothing, there's nothing really that out of the ordinary of it, right? And then how, a director or cinematographer actors what they what they bring to it and how it changes from the written word to that magical thing when movies happen right where there's this space that happens and that the, all the gaps are filled in um and i think that's a really great example of it like how do we take a car ride and make the audience feel it in a totally different way that's not just like you know shot reverse shot like a wider two shot and then like you know, so the stuff like that always sticks out to me. Um, I would say, like, I mean, I watch everything. And, like, I was, I was, like, thinking for a second, I was, like, what have I watched recently? And I was even going to, like, reference, like, a scene from, like, About Time, the terrible, like, romantic film. But, like, you know what? I love that shit. But, like, I'd say the movie that I always come back to, and I just watched it, like, again about a month ago, is, like, Hook is what brings my brothers and me together. And growing up, like, honestly, like, it's still, I mean, just for me to have found this path into genre, re-watching the scene where the two kids get taken from their, from the bedroom, stolen by Hook, spoiler alert, but the, you have this, like, you have this tight shot on the door of the door of the, of the handle, which has the hook lifting up, and you basically have this overhead shot of the covers being pulled from them. And it's fucking terrifying still. I can't imagine like me watching it as a preteen or like in grade school and not being scared. But like even now, it's just like it's filled with just such magic that you have these scenes in the beginning that the soft lighting with Maggie Smith. And then you have, you know, sort of the green undertones with Hook being introduced, the green and the red. I love that movie. Like that just it's like everything about it. I probably could if someone were to say like we, the film print burned and you have to draw by hand every like still from that movie. I probably could do it because I also know most of the lines as well. But um, it just like, it just was so formative and it just comes back to the heart of, you know, why a lot of us get into this world is it brings the people together. Like my brothers and I, we're, we live all over the world. We all do very different things, but it's one movie we can all throw a quote at each other and just br it like brings so much joy to us as well as like, I still think it's still Steven Spielberg and it's, it's maybe not his best film, but it's still top-notch filmmaking that he brings to a really enjoyable subject. I can complete. I completely agree. I, I think it's an overlooked film and wonderful performances from Hoffman and Williams. It's incredible in that film. Yeah. I mean, it, and like, and Robin Williams. It's. I don't think. I don't think they can or should ever remake Hook. But just like that just that, that innocence, that like joy that was so at the heart of who Robin Williams was. Like you feel that of like someone that's trying to like, again, like I'm just, I can picture all the scenes when he's like at the beginning and he's this stuck up like adult and he's trying to be so rigid. You can tell that there's something inside that just wants to be let out. And that's just what made him such a special actor. And likewise with Dustin Hoffman is he's playing this maniacal evil character. That's like, he's the personification of evil. And yet he has a smile on his face because he's having so much fun doing it. It's like, I love that movie. No, yeah, it had, it had all of that. And it has like these really genuine heartfelt moments of, you know, when he finally crows and, you know, everybody. And in the funny scene of the food fight and calling each other names. I, it, 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 it's better than people give it credit for, I think. So, well, well thank good. you. Be the Beach House and then go see Hook again. Yeah, go see, go, <laughs> yes, double feature. The Beach House, everyone, uh, on Shudder. 
you know, get that shutter and watch the beach house. You're going to love it. Um, and I think this is taking it, taking that genre, the sci-fi, the horror genre in that direction we need it. And uh, congratulations to you all. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having us. <clears throat> yes, for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll do another one of these at, on the next film. Here's hoping. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good one.